Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play team. This actual play uses the 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade tabletop role-playing rules by World of Darkness. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience and will include strong language and mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and so forth, that may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or undead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Rena Henze, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Old Ways podcast, Vampire the Masquerade Chronicle, Shards of San Francisco. I am your storyteller, Storytellerina, and tonight we are taking a look in at one of our Coterie members who's taking care of some other business while everything is going down with Mallet and Marcus and everyone else across town. So... Before we introduce that particular character, though, I'd like to thank all of our listeners, and especially all of our Patreon backers, for all of your support. We literally could not do this without you. If you would like to join our Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash theoldwayspodcast, where you will also find more shenanigans from some of our vampires that await your listening ears. So now, let's have our introduction. So who's joining us tonight for this special Spotlight episode? Hi, my name is Tegan, and I'm playing Rom the Shaman. Indeed. Rom has been a little out of it, let's say, after having some modifications done. So, Rom, you've woken up uh, on this particular night, and I'd like a rouse check from you. All right, let's produce a rouse check. And are we roused? Uh, So you failed. This is not good. I don't like this at all. Well, the thing is, Rom, you're I'm also giving you two additional hunger because of the operation you just went through. Yes, I know. That puts me at 3. The operation you went through last night, you hadn't fed right before it. Jane did take a pint of your Vitae and it was a very long procedure. So, you're very hungry now. Very okay. hungry. Right on the verge of being of getting manic rom. Once we hit four hunger, we get manic rom. <laughs> yeah, so you, you know, you're very in tune with your undead body rom, and you know what it feels like when you're getting a little too close to mania. So, is there something you'd like to do about this? Yes, there is actually. Um, you know what? I have an interesting idea. Let's go out. You know, sometimes you love, you know, getting your own little vampire HelloFresh in your own home. But let's let's eat out. Let's let's go out. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna I'm gonna text Jane. I wanna go I wanna go hunting. Let's let's go hunting. Alright, so you text Jane. She gave you her number with the Reminder that uh, this number will not stay her number for very long. And 
if you get a failed signal, that just means that she's got another phone and you'll have to find another way to get her number. I'll have to get Snapchat. Jane does not Snapchat. Or signal. If you say those things to Jane, she's just going to look at you blankly like, what the fuck is that? Jane, give me your Discord. What, pandemonium? What? So you text Jane. What do you text her? I text her, would you be interested on this fine evening in going on a hunt together? Jane texts back, sure. I like fast food. I'll be ready in 10. San Francisco traffic. And it's the last thing she says before you hear her motorcycle revving up to your boat 30 minutes later. Perfect. Yeah, as I wander through the ship, and I've noticed that there's a lot of new faces here, we've we've really ramped up the the ghoul production machine uh, that is my circulatory system. And, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, I I feel like, you know, I just feel like a, like an old ship captain, you know, that's been on the boat too long, doesn't doesn't really remember all of these new whippersnapper faces. And then I uh, I sigh and I walk down the gangplank to the waiting motorcycle. Jane is waiting there. Uh, her hair's pulled back in a ponytail, as it has been a couple of times you've seen her, and she's just looking at you. You're hungry. I I am. I'm wearing uh, black jeans, tight jeans, like like these are skinny jeans. Um, over some uh, black leather chucks, I am wearing a. Uh, we'll we'll put a band T-shirt on. You know, we'll put a. It's a Def Leppard T-shirt. Yeah, Def Leppard T-shirt and a a zip-up white adidas thin jacket like a really thin one she hands you the extra helmet with all the little screaming faces that disappear as soon as you try to look at them she just shakes her head and says told you you needed to eat after last night i'm doing so right now actually we're doing it together you and i um so really um, I'm following the doctor's orders. Uh-huh. Sure, kid. She puts <laughs> puts the, the helmet on, and you hear a little laugh coming from the back of her neck. Uh, I, I simply put the helmet on, and at this point, I'm used to the fact that there are holes in interesting places, and uh, I'm ready to jump on the motorcycle and see... Uh, well, actually, actually, before jumping the motorcycle, I'd be like, so, um, did you have any place in particular in mind? Oh, I've had a little place I've had my eye on. Then a little stakeout. Oh, I love steak. Anyways, um, and I, 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 I'm now ready to go. And she revs up the engine and takes off. And the back of her neck just says... How do you feel about fascism? Because we're going to be dismantling a little bit of it tonight. Oh, oh, um, it's bad. It's very bad. Um, good answer. That's the right answer. Good job. Thank you. I've been studying. Anyways, 
So are we going after a politician? Or no. Like have to keep a slightly lower profile than that. Oh, of course. Okay. That's what Marcus says anyway. It's what you do when you're in other people's territory. She turns and and swerves and you know, if you were human, this would, the way she rides would probably make you feel a bit sick uh because she is very much a daredevil on a motorcycle, but it means you get to your destination faster, whatever that destination is. Perfect. I take it we took the highway to hell. Perhaps literally. And you pull up into this small, more neighborhood-like area of, of town out near the edge. She parks near a little green area. It's got some park benches and what looks like a playground and so on. And there's just a row of these townhouses off to your left. And she looks down the street, looks at you. You can feel her looking, even though she hasn't taken the helmet off yet. As well, come on. I follow behind, curious, um, but not nervous. Trepidatious, one might say, but eager, like a puppy. Rom is a puppy, very much so. So Jane is still wearing her helmet. Her face is completely covered. She's got a very heavy leather jacket on over her normal plaid. And she just marches up to this small town home. It's very quiet on the street. Very quiet tonight. And all you can hear as you get close to the house is the sound of some very loud Norwegian death metal. Well, you know, you know what's really good on quiet nights? What's perfect on quiet nights? Street cleaners. And that's, that's what I assume we are about to be. Quite. It's a reasonable assumption, considering Jane explicitly told you she was out hunting. Perfect. And she looks at you and she winks from an eye on the side of her neck. She takes the helmet off, pulls the collar up to cover her neck, and she just goes up. She knocks on the door, and you hear a peephole being opened, and she's she's got this very strange, almost frightened look on her face. Terrified. She's hunching down, making herself look shorter than her six-foot-one height. And... The door opens, and she, you hear her saying, "Just, oh, please, please, can you help me? Oh, my, my car just broke down down the way, and 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 I don't have a spare tire." And just like this pleading kind of damsel in distress sort of vibe that you've never gotten from her before, as the door opens, and then her arm shoots out, much longer than it should be, and you hear, <gasps> as she pushes into the building, it says. Come along. And I follow behind, keeping my eyes on the prey and wary. So you see there's a white man. He's wearing ratty t-shirt and jeans. And he's got a buzz cut and he had a beer in one hand. 
that he's still holding on to, but it looks like his he's crushed it a bit, maybe in fear. Maybe it's because of how Jane is holding him by the throat. Who knows? But he's being held up above the hallway as you come in, and his eyes are just kind of bulging, and his other hand is scrabbling at the hand that's holding him up, and he sees you come in. He goes, help, help, she's crazy, help. I'm going to look him in the eye, and I'm going to compel him to stop resisting. Okay. Compel is going to be charisma and dominate. He doesn't have a big dice pool on intelligence and resolves, so... Oh, no. Oh, God. We have a bestial failure. I've tried to get inside this man's mind and and command him to submit, but something has gone terribly wrong. So you try to wriggle into his brain, essentially, and get him to stop fighting, trying to calm him down, essentially, as Jane is hunting. But you're not prepared for this outpouring of pure hate that you feel in his mind. Something, it's not telepathy, you're not telepathic necessarily, but it feels almost like you're tapping into, with the network, you're tapping into his brain. And you see all of these confusing, chaotic images in his head. And there's a lot of really nasty language. Most of it appears to be directed at Jane. That's not acceptable. No. There's um, a particular problem when he, in his mind, he, he seems to be saying, tell it to stop. And he's referring to Jane as it. That's definitely not acceptable. You also get these other really angry rants. There's there's a, a YouTube video that he that you think he was watching before, just pouring this kind of vile you need to take back what's yours. You are being oppressed. The white straight white male has no uh, power in this society anymore. And like video after video of, of these different speakers and there's Another one speaking appears to be a religious organization, like maybe a radio station. This pastor yelling at him. You can hear the volume being turned up as as if in his head he's turning this volume up, up, up about the immigrants and the gays and the queers and all of these other really awful terms that you you shut out of your brain because you've heard them too much and you get an image of of this guy the one that Jane is holding up drinking in a bar and being thrown out because someone noticed the 88 tattoo on his bicep and how angry he got because he wasn't causing a problem he was just drinking there they, they didn't have the right to do that. And it's just, it's getting more and more angry and it's mixed with the fear that he's feeling as he's looking at Jane and just, it's too much for you. 
and your brain starts short-circuiting, so to speak. It's not a pleasant feeling. You've had this happen before, but not recently. Last time you had this happen, you were hungry and dreaming and possibly dying. So it's not a pleasant reminder, but you go into shock. Your body freezes and you start to have a vision. And normally the visions that you have, Rom, are things that have happened to you or that are going to happen. But the vision you're you're having now is him. And there's fire and screaming and an explosion somewhere. And you don't know if this is a real vision of something that has happened or if it's something he wants to happen, but you can't shut it out. And you're just standing there staring wide-eyed at this guy and he's he's locked eyes with you and you can't move. Okay, no, absolutely. Um, Rom wasn't expecting this at all. So Rom will drop to a knee and and uh, gasp a little bit, a grunt. And he'll just say, "I, Jane, can you handle this on your own? I wasn't expecting this. She looks at you and looks a little quizzical. And then she nods. Ah, you know, you really shouldn't get into the heads of shitheads like this one. She throws him across the wall. You hear his head crack. Don't worry, he's not dead yet. Am I feeling any better? You're feeling slightly better. You're still feeling like the world is less impermeable than it should be, which you know tends to happen when you have a vision. You can't quite trust what you see for a little while, but you're not feeling as dizzy. And the screaming and the fire in your brain calms down. I'll stand up and dust myself off a little bit. I'll just go up to Jane and be like, my apologies. I wasn't expecting that. Sometimes they can get into our heads too. Look too deep. It's powerful shit that they're drinking. I'll turn towards the man and I'll say, all right, what's next? Well, we're both hungry, but uh, I, I really need to send him a message first. Just give me a minute. And you see her eyes are cold and hard. They're, they're like chips of ice. And she goes up to this man whose name you don't even know. And she just drops him on the ground. And his eyes start to flutter as he comes back to consciousness. But he can't move. And the reason he can't move is because Jane proceeds to break his spine. Oh, gosh. Just snaps the lower half of his spine, and he screams. I think you needed that L4. Jane laughs. Not anymore, he won't. Isn't that right, little shitler wannabe? 
Come on. How does it feel? She's got one knee pressing into his chest. She rips open his shirt. You see he's uh, he's got a swastika tattoo on his shoulder. It's been surrounded by other things like a wolf and some others so that you could, if you just glanced at it, you might not notice it was there at first. So plausible deniability, right? But she looks at it and goes, oh, no, 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 dear. This is some terrible work. You really need a better artist. Let me help with that. And she stretches out her nails and starts cutting into his flesh around the tattoo. And she excises the tattoo off of his body as he screams. And it just comes away, this bloody mass of flesh, and she throws it across the room. You're not going to need that anymore. And don't worry, shithead. I'm just going to rearrange a few things, and then I'll have dinner, and you'll never know this happened. Because you'll be dead. And he's run out of screaming power at this point. And... Jane just looks at you and goes, have a preference for veins? Um, most of the time when I'm feeding, it's off someone I kind of want to spend time around. Particularly fond of the underbelly. But on, if you can find a clean patch somewhere, I guess, seems to be fear, sweat, stained, most places at this point. I don't think he's had a shower in a few days. Um, Now, judging by the crushed up beer cans and the amount of trash around here, you'd gather he doesn't take much care of himself or the place he lives. So Jane just shrugs and says, okay. And you see her with those long, triple-jointed fingers just start slowly pulling apart his chest. He's still conscious somehow. You're not sure how. And she looks down at his open torso. Says, well, he's not going to need these anymore. She pulls out some kidneys. And she throws them across the wall. Splat. Oh, you're not going to need this either. And she just starts moving organs around inside his body. And you hear the crack of ribs. And she tosses you a rib and just says, souvenir. Oh, 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 God. That's a, that's, that's a rib. Okay. She breaks off another one and sticks it inside her jacket. All right. Well, it it takes her a, a good 10 to 15 minutes as you just kind of watch. She, it's almost like she goes into a kind of Zen mode once she starts working. The, a similar kind of zen to when she was working on you. It's it's kind of uncomfortable for you, almost, just watching her just go into this calm, moving some organs around. She's talking to him the whole time. He's still conscious, even with organs missing and blood loss and ribs being broken off. And you see her pull out some entrails and tie them up into a nice, neat bow And she points it out to him and she puts the bow on his face and he lets out one final scream. And then she looks up, her hands covered in blood and viscera and says, dinner's ready. So I mutter under my breath where I hope Jade can't hear me and I'm just like, 
Christ, I'm dating a Cronenberg aspirant. And then I'm like, um, but I mean, there's, there's blood and viscera. I'm obviously starving. I march forward and I bite. So you bite into this man's wrist. Uh, Jane is feeding from the chest and there's this kind of hum in your brain, Rom. This this sort of power. You don't know if it's because you connected to him and she's done so much work on him and now you're feeling her brain or what, but just this satisfied, powerful humming in the back of your brain as she eats. And you haven't really fed with another vampire before, not on the same person. It's an interesting experience, feeding at the same time. Just, there's this this connection you feel. It's very interesting. Also horrifying, because the guy's intestines are on his face tied up in a bow and you can see them while you're eating and oh god gross but it's interesting I think I noticed that like my calf has kind of moved just like adjacent to um Jane's leg as well and I've decided not to move it she doesn't seem to notice she's so intent on her meal it's okay Rom notices that's enough Rom's like, this is nice. This is great. This is good. This is nice. (laughs) And Jane looks up, blood around her mouth. She was not particularly neat in feeding at this moment, but she looks calm. She doesn't have that sort of tension on her face she's had almost every time you've seen her. Just like, ah, very satisfying when you can eat dinner and take out the trash at the same time. I think Rom takes out uh, a folded Domino's pizza napkin from his jacket pocket and like, it's like, offers it to Jane. She just delicately wipes it away and looks down at the guy and says, well, I'm going to uh, fold him up a bit to make him easier to put in the trash. And, uh, then we can go. But, hmm. She pats the now dead man on the head. At least you did something right in the end. Providing sustenance. Jane, I have to ask you. This is the class of person that you feed upon. Is, are there enough to sustain you in this town? Are there that many people with his disposition and propensity to violence and othering of other human beings? She starts laughing and it it, almost the stereo effect because both of her mouths are laughing at the same time as she's somehow folding the body up into a smaller package somehow. You really don't want to think about that. But as she's working, she just says, 
now in a slightly bitter voice. Are there enough? There's too fucking many is the problem. Not just here. I don't live here, Rom. I don't stay in one place forever. This is a base at the moment, but I spend most of my time wandering. You can always find them. There's lots of them. Well, one less now. She kicks the little fleshy package that she's now made in the center of the room. Let's just say I'll never go hungry. I hear you. I just... I'm not criticizing. I'm really not. And I'm not saying that as a preamble to criticizing you. When when a man says to me that I'm not criticizing you, it usually means he's about to say something really fucking stupid. So you might want to think just for a second about what you're about to say, Rom. Okay, well, Jane, give me a fucking chance. I mean, I, I, I get that there are shitty people with shitty opinions. I'm attempting to have a dialogue with you with honesty in it and 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 forthrightness i'm i so i just wanted to put out there that i'm not being critical but i have a question and so i just well i guess i've decided that how in your mind and this is because i'm curious not because i want you to change your behavior i simply want to understand it How is going around from town to town, death-noting these people out of existence, helping? I know you want to help. I know you want to make this country, region, area a better place for the kind, but is the method that you're going across, is it the most efficient or the best or the proper one? Or, and please don't take this insultingly, I'm simply curious, have you ever considered that it's just tied to your perfectly reasonable desire for revenge? She chuckles a little bit. She goes around, she picks up the kidneys and things from where she threw them against the wall and folds them into the little fleshy package in the the middle of the floor. It helps the people he was hurting, doesn't it? It does. It stops him it stops him from hurting anyone else. And I'm not sitting here defending Nazis or saying, don't punch them. Or rip open their chest cavities, throw the kidneys against the wall and eat them. I would never say that. I just think that you are a woman of ability. The one thing that we have as vampires is a long length of time in front of us. But... The world around us does not move at the same pace that we do. Thus, as the hours tick by, 
we only have so many actions that we can take on a night to night basis. And I was just curious, again, not trying to change your behavior in any way, shape or form and completely in respect of the way that you go about things. I just want to understand, Jane, do you believe that your night to night actions are the best use of your abilities and time and energy, energy and vitae? She wrinkles her forehead a little bit and looks at you and says, yes. Okay, then. Thank you for answering my questions. I simply wanted to better understand you. She pulls out her old Nokia burner phone, flips it open, uh, turns away. Just, just, just one second. Hey, Uncle Frank. Yeah, I'm going to need the cleanup crew. Like, now. Yeah, don't worry. Just, it's small, but uh, there's some... Yeah, yeah, okay. Yes, I left the blood for you. The intestines, too. Yes, it's fine. Okay, thanks, Uncle Frank. She flips the phone, puts it back in her pocket, and turns to look at you and says, I'm perfectly happy with the work that I do. Very happy. And I think it does the kind of good that I like to do. Individual love. People like Marcus and some of the others I've encountered like to go at things from a systemic level. And that's fine. You need systemic change, too. That's why I agreed to help out with that little clinic project, especially now that the wizard is gone. But I like to... I like to affect immediate results. Whether that be turning a neo-Nazi into a bow before he can blow up a synagogue, or taking some shitheel of an uncle and turning him into compost after he assaults and impregnates his 13-year-old niece. Or visiting a politician who didn't think he could get pregnant and making sure he knows exactly what it's like to not have access to abortions. And then making sure I get it at the same time. I love everything that you do. I really do. I mean that with 100% sincerity. I just see a parallel. I mean, okay, look, how, how, you, you, you're, you're, you're not ancient. You're not hundreds of years old, right? So if I make a Batman reference, you're going to get a Batman reference, right, Jane? Holy bat reference. Okay, so sometimes, you read the Batman comic, and the vigilante goes out, and he beats up the bad guy. But you always wonder to yourself, Bruce Wayne has all of these resources. Is Bruce Wayne doing the most good by going out every night and beating the shit out of criminals with his Batmobile? No, because, Bat because Bruce Wayne is a billionaire and could use his money to actually change things. At a systemic level. He just chooses not to. I read comics. I know. I just... You know, the longer you read Batman, the more you wonder if Bruce is the fucking villain of that story. 
you're starting to feel a bit uncomfortable in this space, Rom, because the world is still kind of permeable in a way it shouldn't be. And everywhere you look, you see smoke. Yeah, I got to get out of here. All right, Jane, Jane, I hope that you haven't found any of my dialogue or questions to be uncomfortable, upsetting, or attacking of you in any way, because it truly isn't. I think that you are a fantastic, and please understand when I say creature, I mean it in a way that a zoologist would be absolutely obsessed with their field of study. But I need to get out of here. And I want to not end this acquaintance this evening. So if you would do me the kindness of not taking me back to my boat, but coming with me, I have something I want to show you. May I do that? Why not? She smiles slightly, says, leans in as she's sort of guiding you towards the door. She leans into your ear and whispers, if I thought you were attacking me, you could be a literal Batman by the end of the night. Just so we're clear. Just so we're clear, um, threatening me doesn't make you less hot. Just wanted you to know that. Anyways, so here... She... she actually looks nonplussed when you say that. Like, she doesn't know how to react. She she deflects the way that people tend to when they don't quite understand that someone is flirting with them and just pushes you out the door and says, so where are we going? As a young woman uh, looks to be human in a 1950s dress, white gloves, pearls, uh, comes up with three other humans behind her and she just nods at Jane and Jane says, have fun, Cynthia. And Cynthia says, have fun, Jane. And marches into the house with her team of other 1950s attired Stepford wives. And Jane steers you down the street and is saying, all right, so where are we going then? I don't even get to waggle my fingers at Cynthia. Oh, God. Okay, anyways, I give Jane uh, the address and um, we're going to a residential community buildings that were probably manufactured or installed in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, split levels with small bedrooms. Oh, and I mean, conversation pits. I mean, we're talking about like Brady houses. You know, they'd be worth a lot nowadays. They actually still are. But, and we've wind up in this residential area. Just this house. And then I, I want to say to Jane, I said, this isn't hunting. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I want to show you a project that I've been working on. I have recently, through both my sire and now the cult slash church of Michael, uh, that uh, a, a, a number of resources that... Um, you know, are, are useful. Money, Jane, we're not that old. Jesus Christ. I've got cash. All right. I got cash. I got blood. It's the two things I have. Really. That and um I'm 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 not doing bad for myself in other places, but don't raise your eyebrow at me. Anyways, 
I'm nervous. I have been trying to use these resources in a responsible manner because I'm not used to having resources. And so when I had the resources, I wanted to give myself a long conversation about how best we could use them in order to try to take care of these kind in this town, perhaps to avert something like what happened last year. All right. So what I've done, and I gestured to the house, is I bought a number of these. Houses. You really must be loaded. Well, they're mortgaged, so I have to continue to make payments. But the organization and the credits that I have behind the organization have a good enough business credit rating in order to afford a series of them. I've actually had to establish... You don't want to hear about LLCs. Anyways, so, let's go inside. You can be... Uh, nice to people. Human people. Humans? The One of them is my ghoul. Are they shitty humans? Well, you know what? That's a really interesting question. Because, um, much like boots, um, when they get shit on them, you can clean them off. Some of these people in this house that are not my ghouls used to be, well, I don't like to say that they were shitty people. I like to say that they were people who did shitty things. All right, but we're working on that. She doesn't look convinced. Like both of her eyebrows are sort of rising towards her hairline and she's crossed both arms over her chest. She says, well, I respect your territory. I'll behave. She literally makes air quotes. Okay, then we proceed inward. Okay, it's it's nighttime. It's like what time? What time at night is it, Rena? So at this point, it's about 11. So if we go inside, what we're going to see is probably like a late night commander night going on. Like there's a bunch of people playing cards, uh, some sort of card game at the table. Uh, there's pizza boxes everywhere and the overwhelming smell of pineapple and ham. And um, as soon as... I walk in the door and a couple of the people look my way. One probably notices me um, and runs up to me. Um, and it's going to be um, it in this particular case, um, in this particular house, it's someone that we're familiar with. This is Preeti. And, and she's not living on the boat anymore. Um, and I just say, Preeti, I'm so sorry for showing up unannounced. Um, this is Jane. Jane, um, this is, and I look at Jane and I say, my Preeti. I use the word my in here because I'm pretty sure Jane will understand that I mean my ghoul. Jane just nods, but as a Zemitsi, she also just interprets my as in this is mine, do not touch. And she understands that as well. 
Preeti, anyways, um, I was just, uh, Jane is uh, a colleague of mine. Uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. Which, by the way, Rom just says all of that out loud. Wink, wink, and nod, nod. I am looking at putting together some more resources. So I just kind of wanted to show them the place. I wasn't meaning to interrupt anything that's going on, uh, the game night or anything. Um, I'm just wanting to do a walk around. We're not going to go in any of the bedrooms. Uh, this is still completely under your purview, Preeti. And I trust you implicitly. It's all right, Master Rom. You're always welcome to come. Uh, we're, we're just uh, having having a chill evening. Chill, that's the right word, right? Absolutely. Just, just be a little careful around the normies. Um, referring to me as... Master Rom. Um, uh, Jane just... is laughing in the background, by the way. She, she's she got one of those, one of her extremely triple jointed hands over her mouth, trying to hide the fact that she's laughing, but she cannot hide the fact that she is laughing. I am chewing on the inside of my cheek at hearing that coming from the background. Just like, just, just, I'm going to go ahead and literally hold my tongue with my own teeth. I turn away from Preeti and I turn to Jane and I, I bring her into the side kitchen where there's nobody in there. And the first thing that you notice in this kitchen is very clean. There are a number of, there's fresh fruit and vegetables and bread. Also unusual for residential residents all the drawers are labeled with a label maker. So you know where everything is, like silverware, where the cups go, where the soap is, where the towels are. Every drawer, like a label maker has been, and it's in Comic Sans, because of course it's in Comic Sans. And they're just labeled in there. And I, I say to Jane and I say, this is a recovery residence that I have built. And the house manager is my ghoul. The point of this place is to try to solve some of the issues that drive people to extreme drug abuse and criminality and take away some of those rights and privileges that we have in the society because of running out of options. A number of these people here used to be victims of heroin addiction or meth addiction. And I can tell you that most of them are here because they don't want to be using heroin or meth anymore, but that they had to when they were. And I know not everybody begets that, but sometimes you're right, Jane. Systems fail. And whether we're talking about the state or the city of San Francisco, or this nation, or this world, 
some of those systems have failed. A lot of these people that are in this home are here because they couldn't get basic access to healthcare in a timely fashion with doctors that gave a shit. And the only way these kind could survive was to pursue alternative means of dealing with their pain, whether it was mental pain or physical pain. And so they got into narcotics in order to alleviate those symptoms as an alternative to ending their lives. And those, the pursuit of those narcotics is very expensive. And to offset that cost, they had to do some terrible things. Some of them stole. Some of them participated in sex work when they didn't want to, but that they had to in order to survive. I just wanted to give them some options because I have some plans. I want to prevent the kind of scenario that enabled the blood moon last year. I want to change not the discussion, but the very tapestry of this city's underbelly when it comes to the narcotics trade. And I'm, when I'm done, I'm going to change this whole city. And you know what's great about this city? It's a hub. You know, the entire world is plugged into San Francisco. Downtown, in those big, shiny buildings, and in the basements full of servers, is a hundred million startups. And the biggest of them are headquartered right here. All the major social media, right in this town. The entire world, all those little tiny screens that have popped up over the last decades are plugged into this town. That's for another time. Her face had softened a bit. She looked like she was with you up until you said you were going to change the world. And now she looks a bit skeptical again. I apologize. I suffer, as many in my clan, from time to time with delusions. Delusions of grandeur? Of grandeur, yes! Fantastic! Give me just a moment to bring it down. I am working very hard, like a rancher with a hundred million cattle, to keep them safe and healthy. And that's what these houses are. An attempt to bring up the basic quality and needs of some of the most disadvantaged in this city and bring them back into the fold. Help them be more self-actualized because that will be better for all of us kindred in this city. And when that becomes apparent that what I'm doing here is worthwhile, I'm going to go to Marcus and I'm going to ask him 
for a favor because I feel like I've earned it. And what I'm going to ask him is to take one of my ghouls and make my own vampire, make my own kindred. Because honestly, this is a big project and I need some help. I need my own sheepdog to help me round up these oh god I can't do it anyways can't do this alone Jane so first I think the sort of thing you're doing is admirable you're probably too young to remember the 80s but there was a lot of systemic issues with drug use in particular, especially when the AIDS crisis happened. It's a good thing to do. I think your work and my work can exist at the same time, doing different things, taking care of different problems, and maybe you can prevent problems that cause the sort of problems I deal with. But I don't see them as being contradictory. The other thing is, you want to ask Marcus to let you make another Malkavian? And I think that is where we will end this episode. <laughs> Thank you all for listening and for having a look in on what Rom has been up to on this particular night. We hope you all will join us next time as we visit Elysium. Thank you and good night. <laughs>